Welcome to Centerize. It is December 30th. We're coming to you once again with our final episode of the year. And Matt's with me as always. So let's quickly start off with the World Juniors. I mean, I think you and I were in agreement that it was tough to see this canceled, but there's been some really interesting reactions to it. But I think they did the right thing here and uh, canceling the event. And we saw today more positive tests came out from teams. So obviously, they understood the severity of the issue. And they said, you know what, it's better for everybody if we just cancel the whole thing. Yeah, it is quite disappointing. And it's been a rough couple of weeks for the IHF with the, uh, I'd say, rightfully deserved backlash regarding the tournament cancellations through the month of January, especially regarding the women's U18 tournament. But the one positive thing we can take out of this, Mac, well, I guess there's two. The first is Connor Bedard is the real deal. He absolutely lit up Austria in that game the other night. That was quite something to see. And the other thing is that it sounds like the IHF is going to do their darndest to move all these tournaments into the summer and play them then. So it's not a guarantee, Mac, but it is quite possible that we could see the World Juniors and other tournaments go to Edmonton, for example, Red Deer, and restart them from square one is what it sounds like. So hopefully, for especially for the players' sake, Mac, that is what happens. Because remember, a lot of these kids, especially in 2002, this was their last year to play, and you don't want to end it like that. So uh, I really do hope that the IHF is able to work with the city of Edmonton, city of Red Deer, for example, reschedule the World Juniors, and get all the other tournaments that were initially canceled rescheduled into the summer so that these players that have worked really, really hard to get where they are, get a chance to compete for their countries. Yeah. You mentioned Bedard and and he looked real good. Mitchkov, just like Steve Corniano said, I mean, this kid is going to be dynamite. He was great in the tournament, even though Russia probably didn't have the best time in the tournament, but again, it was brief. So it's hard to say how they would have done if it continued. And a couple quick notes on prospects. First of all, the team with the most prospects at the World Juniors was Carolina with 10. So once again, Carolina showing off that draft and development skill that they are so good at. And two prospects I really think need to be noted here are picks by the Toronto Maple Leafs by Kyle Dubas and management in Topi Nimala and Ronnie Hervenen. These are two Finnish kids that just continue to improve leaps and bounds year after year. And these were not first round picks. These are great value picks. And to me, they're, they're players that the Leafs are very high on. And they also had some other players in the tournament, but obviously this isn't all about the Leafs. I just wanted to note that those were two players I was really impressed with. Yeah, absolutely. There were some really impressive standouts from many, many teams and future stars in the making in the short time we saw the World Juniors. And that's, I'd say, personally why a lot of us were so disappointed to see that it got got canceled, even though you and I were both really rooting for it to be a success, just like last year's. It is the right call, but the World Juniors is one of the few times a year where you can really see best-on-best hockey action. And uh, one thing I do want to touch on very quickly, Mac, because it got brought up uh, a few days ago, talking about best-on-best when the NHL pulled out of the Olympics, is... A World Cup of Hockey 
the NHL absolutely needs to do a World Cup of Hockey and promote more best on best tournaments because we don't see enough of it. And I am down for that. And I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, that would be neat. All right, let's move on to our first real topic here. And that's the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, what a difference the changes have made. I think the players feel better. The fans obviously feel better. And I remember when they got that first win under Boudreaux, the new coach, just that sense of relief that I saw in the fans' faces. You know, people were honking and and celebrating outside the arena. It was just like a weight had been lifted off their shoulders. And that's what happens when you finally make a big change that's been warranted for a long time. And I think I'm starting to see, and I think other people are starting to see that maybe Travis Green wasn't that great of a coach. And obviously Bruce Boudreaux has done a fantastic job early on. And our thoughts on Jim Benning are very well known. So we won't get into that, but Vancouver, Matt, they've won seven in a row in nine out of their last 10. How about that? Well, it's absolutely impressive, especially considering the state this team was in just 30 days ago. I'm sure you remember well, Mac, and we brought it up on the show, just how dismal Vancouver was playing that Jim Benning, as you mentioned, is well known. Our thoughts on him that he he was a disaster. He needed to go. He should have gone two years ago. Travis Green, as you mentioned, he didn't look as good of a coach as we gave him credit for. You look back at that playoff run a year and a half ago now, Mac, in the bubble, and you wonder, was this more the team playing for one another through what was a really tough time for pretty much everyone through the bubble, the COVID shutdown and everything, or was it his skill? And I think I think it's more the former than the latter. But you, let's go to Boudreaux here, Mac, and – I've always been a fan of Bruce Boudreaux, even though I do have some criticisms of him because he is from the Ottawa area. He's has a long and storied career, hasn't had the playoff success yet. And that is my one big criticism. I'll get back to that in a moment. But you look at how Vancouver's playing right now. And obviously, I don't get to see as much Vancouver hockey as you do being on the East Coast. But when I, what I have seen from Vancouver, Mac, is this feels like a rejuvenated team. I think that's the best way to describe it. They've rejuvenated themselves. They feel like they're playing for one another again. They feel a lot more like that Vancouver team we saw in the bubble, even though there obviously has been some personnel changes since then. The one thing I've really noticed, Mac, is how much more confident the Vancouver Canucks are playing on both sides of the puck. On the offensive side, I've noticed Bruce Boudreaux has given them a little more offensive freedom, which is going a long way for guys with a lot of skill like Pedersen and you look on the defensive side, he's got them playing a more structured game and they just feel like they're playing with all sorts of confidence right now, Mac and teams playing for one another with confidence riding high. This is a very dangerous team right now. And I feel like it could very well carry them into the playoffs that has yet to be seen. Of course, it's going to be a tough second half of the season with all the postponements and reschedulings and everything like that. But if Vancouver can keep playing for Bruce Boudreaux and for themselves like they are right now, this is a Vancouver team that may have just saved their season. And it makes you wonder more and more, Mac, why didn't they pull the trigger on cleaning house in the front office and the coaching staff sooner? 
Yeah. And I think the biggest questions I have remaining for Vancouver is what is their approach going forward? Are you just going to stick with this group and not make any moves at the deadline if you're still doing well? We'll cover that a little bit later, but also Elias Pedersen is not having a good season. He is struggling and he is one of several players that is star players that is just having, you know, not a great season. So the fact that they've been able to go on this kind of streak without him really being, I would say, a star player for them is impressive. But I mean, I still, Vancouver is one of those teams that they get hot and cold. They're not super consistent. So we have to take this success with a grain of salt. But again, let's let's give credit where credit is due. You and I know this is a good Canucks team and they have certain issues that you know, sort of need to be addressed, but obviously they fixed two big ones with the coach and the GM. And like you said, they're just more confident and they look good and they played some good teams in this stretch. So both of us will give credit to the Vancouver Canucks for a really impressive little streak there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see where this team goes, but really time will tell. And I hope they can get consistent because Vancouver fans after what they've endured with Benning and green absolutely deserve it as you mentioned uh, cheering and honking horns in the parking lot after that first win I think I think that sums it up nicely don't you it really does it it was unbelievable to see and I don't care who you are or where you're from you have to be happy for Canucks fans that day it was just great to see absolutely it is great to see and I'm looking forward to getting into more of that playoff race it it's only a couple months away when you think about it mac and uh, teams are going to have to start thinking about whether they want to buy and sell and we'll get into that in a few minutes but let's talk about another team that we haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot about on this show mac we we've touched on them briefly but i think we need to go into more depth here because they have been one of the hotter teams in the league as well right now and that is the st louis blues who have just been tearing it up going towards the end of the year this year. And of course they're going to play in the winter classic on Saturday. And I'm really looking forward to that. We'll get into that a bit more in a moment. First, let's talk, let's touch a bit more on Vladimir Tarasenko here, Mac, because going into the off season last season, remember Tarasenko was basically dead in the water for the St. Louis blues. They left him exposed in the expansion draft and if you're Seattle looking at what Vladimir Tarasenko has done now, you got to be kicking yourself for not taking him. I'm not saying Vince Dunn is a bad player by any means, Mac, but you look at these numbers, 13 goals, 19 assists, 32 points in 32 games. He's a point per game player. He's rejuvenated himself and he's leading the way for the St. Louis Blues like he did a few years ago. And this Blues team overall is looking really good. You've got contributions up and down the lineup from guys like Thomas, Ryan O'Reilly, Buchnevich is having a really good year as well. He's also on a point-per-game pace. This is a Blues team that, unlike the Canucks, Mac, I, I feel like this is a team that is going to be consistent and is going to be a real Stanley Cup contender again coming into the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially if they can keep this depth scoring going and consistency. What do you think about the St. Louis Blues here? Because I'm very impressed. No, I agree. And they, they've been a little inconsistent, not not like most teams in the NHL. And they are streaky, so that there is that. But as you mentioned, Vladimir Tarasenko, I mean, 
really after having a few tough years, he was remarkably consistent since stepping into the NHL and just ran into some injuries and consistencies. And that resulted in, you know, less confidence. And as you and I know, when a player is not confident, it doesn't matter how skilled they are and how good they are. They're just not the same. And to me, he's, he's rejuvenated. Like you said, he's been given an opportunity to play top line minutes on a new look top line with Jordan Cairo, who you and I are big fans of Robert Thomas, a young player who continues to improve for St. Louis. And to me, you know, he just looks like the old Vladimir Tarasenko again. And that's great news for blues fans and really everybody else, because as you mentioned, you know, they left him exposed in the expansion draft and you and I knew he was, you know, okay. He has a huge salary, but this is an elite player and an elite talent. You do not get chances to acquire players like this. And sure enough, they took Vince Dunn. Well, who's laughing now? Seattle. Well, as I mentioned, Mac, Vince Dunn is not a bad player, but as you mentioned, when a, an elite talent like Vladimir Tarasenko is available, I think it was, it's a worthy risk. Yeah, his cap hits a bit high, but you look at the results now. I'd say that cap hit is absolutely worth it. And based on the struggle Seattle has had scoring goals this season, Mac, they're near the bottom of the league in that category. They certainly would love to have Vladimir Tarasenko in his points per game production right now. For sure. And you mentioned the acquisitions of Bushnevich and others. I want to mention Logan Brown here. They brought him in from the Sens, and he's been quite good for them in a depth role. And also the young defenseman, Scott Perunovich. You know, he's been a pleasant surprise. Jordan Bennington looks real good in that. And we know how good he can be when he's on his game. I, I think during this last stretch, he's been very good. But, you know, this is the same St. Louis team we're used to sort of seeing. What they've done, I think, a real nice job with is building that depth and making sure that they have depth on all their lines. You look at an acquisition like Buchnevich, we mentioned that. But Brandon Saad is another good acquisition. And giving Jordan Cairo those first-line minutes. And just, they still have the same defense core. They still have the same goalies. They're, they still have the same coach. This is the same team you know, but they're slightly different. They have more skill and more depth. And obviously, having Tarasenko back, it basically just makes up for the loss of Jaden Schwartz, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say so, because Schwartz was a big loss in their lineup. You and I talked about this earlier, and we knew how big of a loss it was. But having Tarasenko come back on a resurgence like the way he has, has made all the difference for this Blues team, Mac. You've got a guy who you know can put up points, and that's what made Tarasenko such a valuable player. Not only did he have a lot of skill, you knew he was consistent for a good 70, 80 points plus every year. And it's a huge blessing with the St. Louis Blues, and he's going to be their X factor down the stretch here, Mac. Make no mistake, Tarasenko will drive this team he has for many, many years. And not saying guys like Boots, Neverage, or Kairu are bad at all, because of course they aren't. They're very good players. But Tarasenko is kind of the heartbeat of this team, Mac, along with Ryan O'Reilly. And those two guys are really going to drive this team. They're going to need to keep things going because they're in a tough central division. They've got the Minnesota Wild right on their tail, Mac. They're going to play them in a couple days in the Winter Classic. And 
this is a Blues team that I really do think, Mac, will be a Stanley Cup contender come coming April. Yeah, I mean, I, I think things are trending in that direction. I, I'm sort of on the wait and see uh, point myself, but uh, l- let's keep things in the Western Conference and let's touch on the Vegas Golden Knights, who started really slow, had a ton of injuries, also had some COVID issues, but what a run they've been on lately. Yeah, absolutely. The Vegas Golden Knights have turned it around very, very quickly. And to an extent, you and I should almost say we're not surprised based on this group that Vegas has. Of course, they've got a really, really good four line. Unfortunately for Vegas, Mac, as hot as they've been as late, they were dealt a pretty big loss today. And Max Pacioretty, he is out and definitely will get a better timeline in the next few days, I'm sure. But wrist surgery, that can take a while to recover from. It can be a funny thing to heal. But you, let's look on the positives here, Mac. You're 8-2-0 and in your last 10 games after, as you mentioned, a really tough start. They were kind of hovering around or just below 500 for the first month and a bit. But now that they've found their groove, Mac, especially in that top line, you, you look at some of their top players like Riley Smith, of course, I, I could go on all day about Mark Stone and how good of a player he is. Shea Theodore, Marcia So, Stephenson, et cetera, et cetera. This is a team that's getting production pretty much up and down the lineup right now. And Robin Leonard and Brooks Waugh have both been putting up pretty solid numbers as of late, especially Robin Leonard. You and I have talked about him in depth on this show in the past. You and I are big fans of Robin Leonard. And... You and I both knew it was only going to be a matter of time until he was going to shine in Vegas. And one thing that really is looking good right now is that Robin Leonard, although he's been carrying a good bulk of the load, Lauren Brassois has also taken a decent amount of games. He's started nine games this year versus Robin Leonard's 24. And he's posting a 275 goals against average with a 903 save percentage, which is pretty darn good for your second goalie and that's great because Robin Leonard as you know is a very good goalie but you don't want him to carry the entire load and I haven't even touched on the defense here Mac but everything has started to come together for the Vegas Golden Knights and as I said off the top I don't I almost feel like you and I should have said back in October that like this is a team based on the talent they've got based on everything we know about them this shouldn't be too much of a surprise and if they can get Pacioretty back sooner rather than later, and hopefully for their sake they do because he was on a really good pace in the few games he was able to dress this year. He has 21 points in the 16 games he's played. This is a Vegas team that once again will be a Stanley Cup contender if they can keep this consistency going. Oh, for sure. And I think the biggest key for them is sort of getting back to that identity, which has made them so successful and so hard to play against the last few years, ever since really they came into existence as an expansion franchise, which is a hard four check an excellent penalty kill hard to play against in general, very good in the neutral zone. They don't make many mistakes, even though their power play is not great. It's never been great. They're still able to win a lot of games, obviously, you're still waiting for Eichel to come back. We don't know when that's going to be. And you did mention the Pacioretty injury. 
Now we do talk a lot about Mark Stone and, and rightfully so, because we are big fans of him, but I think the heartbeat of this team is Riley Smith. I think he exemplifies everything they want to do, all the values they have, how they want to play. And this is a guy that just shows up night after night after night. I mean, it's hard to believe that I'm just trying to think how many years ago it was when he was sort of up and coming after being on a second team, first he was on Boston and then he was on Florida, Florida. He was sort of building on that success, but he didn't do much in Boston. was still a young player, but you want to talk about a player who I would compare to sort of like a Ryan Hartman type, which is what Hartman is experiencing now in Minnesota. He's been on quite a few teams that has really found their game and what they're good at. And I just, Look, I'm, I'm not a Vegas Golden Knights fan, but if I was, I would be buying a Riley Smith jersey right now. Yeah, I think Riley Smith, uh, although I will argue Mark Stone is still, I'd say, the heartbeat of the team. He's the captain for a reason. He, he really drives both the offense and the defense. You and I can get into a debate about this another time, Mac, because I think it'd be a good debate to have. But Riley Smith, definitely a key component to this team, Mac. You mentioned how he's kind of struggled to find his way for a little bit, you look at his year, his final year in Florida versus his first year in Vegas. He went from 37 points in 80 games with the Florida Panthers. But then, of course, he heads over to Vegas, the new team, 60 points in 67 games. And it's just been getting better from there. He's a very, very good player. As you mentioned, he sort of found his, his niche. He's found what he's good at, and he's really, really striving in that role. And I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him and Vegas as a whole. This whole Vegas team, Mac, you mentioned that they're a team that they know how to play, they know how to win, and they're a very, very hard team to beat. Of course, the question will come in, and we'll probably be asking this inevitably when our playoff preview show comes around at the end of April, early May. Can the Vegas Golden Knights find a way to get it done in the playoffs? We'll have to wait and see to answer that question, Mac. But for now, uh, Vegas, everything is looking pretty good, minus the Pacioretty injury. Thanks again for listening. Wishing you both a safe and happy new year from both of us. Hopefully we can get over this pandemic. It has been way too long. Enjoy the games. Stay safe. And thanks again. (laughs) 